hey, River West, you've noticed we have a rhythm here on Sunday morning. And that rhythm is every time we gather, we open our Bibles. And here's why we do that. We open our Bibles because we are a church that believes God speaks through his word. Amen. He speaks through his word to people who come to his word with humility of heart and with a faith to believe that he wants to show us something about Jesus. And that's going to happen again this morning. And so I want to invite you as we continue in our series in James, would you open now to the book of James? We've come to the end of chapter three. So as you're turning there, James chapter three, verse 13, here is what you're going to need to know this morning. There are two kinds of wisdom in this world, not one. And both of them have a spiritual source. Okay? I want you to think about that for a minute. Two kinds of wisdom. Now, the text we're going to study this morning, 13 to 18, James is going to take up the theme of wisdom, and all of this is a part of his portrait of living faith that we're learning about. And the, but the reader might be expecting James to talk about wisdom and set it over against foolishness. But what we're going to discover in just a minute as I read this passage is that that is actually not James's concern. James's concern is that there's actually two kinds of wisdom. One of them is the genuine godly, heavenly, the good stuff. And there's another kind of wisdom that's kind of like a deceptive counterfeit. It's not the same thing. It looks like wisdom, and, it, and like wisdom, it can cause lots of people to get ahead in this world, but it's not the same kind of wisdom, the heavenly stuff, the pure stuff, the good stuff. And so James says, I need to tell you about the differences between these two. I don't think I can imagine a theme that is more important for the church in the 21st century than the theme of wisdom. Amen? And I had a, as I studied the passage that we're about to read, I kept having this thought, I wonder if this is why in the last 18 months, it seems like so many Christians and so many churches have gone astray because maybe they didn't realize there's actually a counterfeit wisdom. And I have to be aware of it. There's two kinds of wisdom. And the people of Jesus, our call is to come before God and humbly make sure we're seeking after the right one. So let's read about it. James chapter 3, verse 13. Here's what James says next. Who is wise? And understanding among you. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, 
full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It was a very common tactic in wisdom literature, and James is an example of wisdom literature. It was a very common tactic to encourage your reader to choose the right path by contrasting that path with the opposite one, to create like a massive contrast. Jesus did this in his teaching. He would talk about two ways. The book of Proverbs, if you've read Proverbs much, you know, they're always contrasting two ways. And as we study James, James uses this tactic. So he'll say, do not just be hearers of the word. You must be doers of the word. It creates two ways to experience the word. Or, or James, will, James will say, show me your works without faith and I'll show you my faith by its works. Or James will say, with your tongue, you can bless the Lord and you can curse people. So there's always two ways. And of course, presenting two ways was a major tactic in my parenting strategy as a father, okay? I was always presenting two ways. I would say, Bridget, there's, there's two ways this is gonna go, okay? One way is you unload the dishwasher, which I've already asked you to do. The second way is you can clean the behind the toilets with a toothbrush and you can choose which of those two ways. It's totally up to you, all right? Two ways, okay? And James... James says there's two ways, even when it comes to wisdom. Now, friends, this is not how we typically think about wisdom. We just don't. See, we always say there's wisdom and there's foolishness. And James says, well, let's, we need to actually press a little deeper. And what he's going to do is he, he believes his audience is filled with the spirit of Christ like I do. And James says, if I just simply lift up these two kinds of wisdom and set them next to each other, people will long for, the, the, for the, the pure one, the heavenly one, like you and I do. And so you've already noticed what he does is he lays out all of these contrasts. And I wanna just show you three of them. So if you're taking notes, here's the first contrast. Contrast number one, okay, is a contrast of origins. One kind of wisdom finds its source in heaven. It comes from above. And the other kind of wisdom comes from the other place, <laughs> right? It's right there in verse 15. Look at it in your own Bible. I want you to see this because I want you to know this is coming from the spirit of Christ through the apostle James. He says in verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly unspiritual and demonic. And that's the one we stub our foot on, demonic. Now, that might be the most unexpected statement in the whole letter because the reader is totally expecting James to talk about a wisdom from heaven. No one's surprised by that. What's surprising is to discover that James says there's a wisdom that comes from hell. That catches you off guard. That causes you to take a pause and go, oh, I need to check myself in humility. Amazing. And yet I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest today that's the, 
that explains a lot. Has, have you ever wondered why it is that in our, in our society, really bad ideas will just take off? They just take off in our society. And I'm not talking about the silly stuff like, you know, kids eating detergent pods and then putting it on TikTok or something like that. I'm talking about, that happened, by the way. Did you know that? Okay. Anyway, I'm talking about bad ideas that are harmful to human thriving. They're against the heart of God. And somehow they just take off and they become commonplace. In fact, the world embraces them as if this is the only possible common sense way. And you think, how does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens because our adversary, the devil, he's very cunning, right? The devil is many things, but stupid is not one of them. He's very cunning and he, he knows how to take a little piece of poison and wrap it in candy using the media, the entertainment industry, social media, you name it. He knows how to take little poison pills and send them out wrapped in beauty and, and, and savvy storytelling. And suddenly people are swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker. Amazing. And so James uses these three words, there they are. You, you see them in, in verse 15. They, 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 they go from bad to worse, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Earthly just means, it doesn't mean everything on earth is bad. It just means the stuff on earth that's against heaven. Unspiritual, that ESV translation's pretty good, but it also describes like something that's human-centered, like self-seeking. So versus God's spiritual agenda, there's a kind of wisdom that's very much about me and my, my self-interest. And then the word demonic doesn't need any explanation. It's, these, it comes from like spiritual forces that are against God. And what James does is he says, okay, now what I wanna do is I'm gonna contrast that with another kind of wisdom. And in verse 15, James tells us it's the wisdom that comes from above. And of course, you, the reader, you know, well, wow, that sounds a lot like stuff James said back in chapter one right? So if you want, turn back. Let me show you two verses that we've already looked at. Here's one verse 17. Flip, just flip back one page and look at verse 17, where James had said, every good and perfect gift is from above. Here's the language. It's from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is a great verse. And basically what James is saying is all the good stuff in our world comes from God. And the preeminent good thing that James writes about is wisdom. That's like the, God is so generous. And if there's one thing he loves to pour out in generosity, it's wisdom. And we know that from earlier, verse five. Now look at chapter one, verse five. Remember this from week one. If any of you lacks wisdom, what do you do? Ask God, fall down on your knees, pray. I lack wisdom every day. This is a prayer I wanna pray every single day because I lack wisdom every day. And who is this God? He's the God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. In other words, true wisdom Biblical wisdom, heavenly wisdom, is not something you achieve. Hear me. 
It's not something you achieve. It's something you receive. Wisdom and intelligence are not the same thing. I know some people who are shockingly bright and surprisingly unwise, right? And I know some people who are, I shouldn't say it, but they're they're less than bright and they're surprisingly wise. Wisdom is not the same thing as education. And I'm a huge fan of education. But there are people in this world who have a lot of letters after their name who are surprisingly unwise, right? And some of the wisest people in our world have never been to school. Wisdom is not the same thing as age. I know some young people who are so wise and I know some folks on the, more, on the other side of that spectrum who are not, they're surprisingly unwise, right? Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge or information. See this little thing? My little black mirror. Do you know how much information we have now? at the touch of a finger. It's stunning how much information we have. Raise your hand if you think this has made our society more wise. I like how Brett McCracken put it. He wrote in a book I'll tell you about in a moment. He wrote, our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom. More data, less clarity, more stimulation, less synthesis, more distraction, less stillness, more pontificating, less pondering, more opinion, less research, more speaking, less listening, more to look at, less to see, more amusements, less joy. There is more, but we are less. And we all feel it. That's the first paragraph of a book that Brett wrote called The Wisdom Pyramid. I recommend every Christian read this book. It's the best book I've read this summer. It's, the introduction is worth the price of the book alone. And basically what he does is he compares wisdom to the old food pyramid. Remember the food pyramid in the 80s where they said at the bottom layer, it's like eat carbs. Now we're like, oh, not so much. But anyway, that's what you eat the most of is carbs. Then it's like fruits and vegetables above there. Then it's proteins, milk and stuff. And then at the very top of the pyramid, they put all the stuff we actually like to eat, okay? Sugar, oil, and fat, all right? And Brett says, that's a great way to think about wisdom and information intake. And what do you imagine is at the top of the pyramid (laughs) where you should go last and least if you wanna become a wise Christian? The last place you go is here. And not to, not to poo-poo this. This is an incredible gift. But can I make a prophecy? I'm making a prophecy right now as your pastor, okay? In 25 years, the whole society, we're gonna look back and say, what were we thinking handing these to 10-year-olds? 
It's like taking a chainsaw, firing it up and handing it to a child, right? It's an incredible tool, but used without wisdom. It's just constant information. And Brett says, he, t- he uses the idea of eating. He says, with this, we eat too much, we eat too fast, and we only eat what we like. Because <laughs> those algorithms just keep sending you into the echo chamber. So helpful. Social media is, is about speed. It's about hashtag trending. It's about the first person to speak. Usually the first person to speak has to come back later and correct what they said, which never makes social media. <laughs> Amen? If you're forming all your opinions about really critical things in our society using this, it's time to take a time out and go back down to the bottom of the pyramid. Let's put that pyramid back up just really quick because Brett's is so profound. Down at the bottom is the word of God. And then the next layer is the church community. And then he talks about books. I love it when he talks about books. He says, make sure though, when you're reading books, read, read across all kinds of bounds. Don't just read what you already agree with. If you're gonna, if you think you disagree with someone, read the best version of their view. Art, and then yes, this incredible device that we have. Amazing. And of course, over it all, like down there at the bottom of that pyramid is this truth, true wisdom, the good stuff, the stuff we need church to navigate what's coming. Where will we find it? Humbly on our knees, asking God, opening the scriptures, gathering together as the community of Jesus. So I want to encourage you. We're on a mission together to seek God for wisdom as a church. Glad you're with us. That's contrast number one. Here's contrast number two. Contrast number two is a contrast of attributes. And I'm going to put up a little, I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to put up a chart here because it helps me. Can you see that? Is that sort can you kind of see that? Two kinds of wisdom. I already talked about origin. There it is. And now I want to talk about attributes. Okay. And it just helps me to see these laid next to each other. By the way, at the end, I'll finish that chart and then take a picture of it. I know you picture takers out there. Just wait, okay? I'll get there. All right, so hold on. Just right now, I want you to hear about attributes. One kind of wisdom seeks God's agenda, and the other kind of wisdom seeks my agenda, my glory but they both look like wisdom in the world. So two times in the passage, there are those two words. There are these phrases, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. It shows up in verse 14 and then James repeats it in verse 16. And by the way, anytime an author repeats something, you know it matters. There's something really significant happening here. And what I I kept thinking, I just would never have expected James to focus on those two traits of worldly wisdom, jealousy and ambition. And I, I guess as I thought about it, I thought if, I, if we were to meet a person who was blatantly jealous, we would probably never use the word wisdom to describe them, right? But I think that's exactly the point. 
we're almost never blatantly jealous. We hide it really well. It gets cloaked because we're, we're, we're masters. And actually what sometimes we cloak it in what appears to be wisdom. And this, this wisdom, this worldly wisdom, what's sort of startling about it is that it's a kind of wisdom that can allow me to really get ahead in this world if that's what I want, even in the community of faith. If I'm not careful, and by the way, every single human being struggles with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Thanks, Mark, you can take that down. So the, the, the question is not, are these a struggle for me? That's why James says, if you harbor bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, I don't have to go very far to find bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. The closest mirror will let me see it. <laughs> and James says, just, just be aware. Jealousy, that, that, that constant sense of like, I don't want that person to have what I don't have. And selfish ambition, that, that sense of like, my number one goal is to get ahead, even if it means the community is harmed. And James says, now take that though and contrast it to this other kind of wisdom, this beautiful, godly, heavenly wisdom. And he gives us all these words. And I, I just want you to look back now, James 3. The first word he gives us is right there in 13. It's the word meekness. Do you see that word? He says, who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James says, here's trait number one. Here's how you'll know. Because he's saying, take a look. Who's wise? Am I wise? James says, here's, here's the first thing you'll notice. Meekness, this kind of humility. Now you need to know that the Greeks, the ancient Greeks at this time, they did not regard meekness as a good trait. They looked down, they thought meekness was foolish and weak. They disregarded it. And so Jesus comes along and he takes meekness and he says, actually meekness is exactly what I want for my people. And actually, I would suggest that in our culture, we, we disregard meekness as well. We, we blow past people who are meek. We do. Especially in times of trouble, in times of chaos, in times where people are feeling uncertain. What we do is we long for a leader who's not meek. We long for a leader who's strong. They come out of the gates with certainty. They stand and they say, this is how it is. And lots of times that kind of leader can attract people in a time where we're feeling uncertain. But here's the problem. Sometimes that, that leader who, who pretends to know everything and come out strong and come out first, they often are lacking actual wisdom. Their confidence is often outstripped by their competence, right? And James says, but wisdom, real wisdom is about meekness. It's not weakness. Weakness is a different thing. Meekness is like strength restrained. It means I don't always have to speak. I don't always have to be the first one to weigh in on something. In fact, often I listen. I listen a lot because I want to understand. I want to know. I want to hear this other person who I'm speaking with. 
James says meekness, but then look at verse 17. Now he gives us an entire list of traits. The wisdom from above is, look at these words, pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. I love that. In the Greek, it just basically means I'm the kind of person who's willing to listen to other people's viewpoints and take them into consideration. What a trait, so good. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. By the way, just will you look at those words real quick and let me ask you a question and add the word meekness, put meekness at the front. So meekness, pure, peaceable, gentle, full of mercy. Anyone wanna take a stab where those words show up somewhere else in the New Testament? Anyone take a stab? What? Fruits of the Spirit, there's another one. The fruits of the Spirit, yeah, there's another one. Anyone take another stab? The Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. Oh, wait a minute. Meekness, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall become sons of God. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. When James thought about wisdom, he thought about his brother. And not just his brother's teaching, definitely that but his brother's life. He grew up with Jesus. I wonder what it would have been like to grow up with someone who not just exhibited all those traits, but exhibited them in spades. I bet it was terribly annoying. Okay, really hard to be around, okay? Oh yeah, Jesus got A's again. <sighs> I have a twin brother. Did you know this? I have a twin brother. I could be my twin right now and you wouldn't even know it. In fact, anytime the sermon is bad, it was my twin brother, okay? No, okay. I have a twin brother and I love him. He's my best friend. We talk every week, usually about soccer. It's incredibly dorky. But anyway, I love him, but here's the thing. My brother, and he's an amazing, amazing person. But I don't spend my life thinking, I wanna be like my twin brother. And he doesn't spend his life thinking that about me. <laughs> but James did. James watched his brother, Jesus, and he saw in his life, meekness, humility, purity, peace, and mercy. And then James writes a letter and he says, Oh, if the church, I know you're out there in the world, you're this outpost of faith. And here's the thing, if you will sit at the feet of Jesus, listen to his teaching, watch his life. And if you will try to become like him, God will pour out his wisdom on your church and bless you. That's why we spent three years studying Luke, right? because we sat at the feet of Jesus. We watched his life. Our study in Luke was not about filling our heads with more doctrine. Our study in Luke was about watching Jesus so that hopefully by the grace of God, we would become more like him. And of course, all these traits, they're really about God's agenda. And you know what God's agenda is about? Community, building beautiful community. And that brings me last, and I'll take just a minute on this, to the final contrast. Contrast number three is about outcomes. I'll put the screen back up. Now you can take a picture of my amazing chart, okay? 
One kind of wisdom is it harms community. And another kind of wisdom cultivates it. So James says that that, that selfish ambition, if, if you live with that, if you walk around, even in a community of faith, if, if you're not careful in your selfish ambition or your jealousy is at work, what will happen is it will result in this word disorder. He talks about it in verse 16. It's like disorder. It's things, things begin to unravel. And a person says, it seems like every, every kind of Christian community that I'm a part of, by the time I'm done with it, things have unraveled, right? That would be a sign. Am I, has my ambition gotten ahead of myself, right? And in contrast to that, James says in verse 18, he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And Mark, can we put that verse up? Just, I want people to see a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So James says, when, you, when a community of people, we seek Jesus, we pray, God, give us wisdom. What happens is, as a community, we create this beautiful place of peace and also righteousness. So not peace without righteousness. Righteousness is God's standards. Peace is God's shalom, his wholeness. And what happens is when we together seek God's wisdom, we create both. So peace, this is so important. Listen to me clearly. Peace is not just, okay, let's all just get along. So no one say anything that's hard. That's not peace. Truth, God's truth can never harm God's peace. Amen. You can never harm peace with truth. Sometimes the pastor opens the scriptures and has to speak a truth, knowing that even in the process of speaking that truth, it might disrupt people because it might be a truth that they don't want to hear. By the way, this is a little word of advice when you're in church. If, you're never, if you never are made uncomfortable in church, I should get fired. Okay, fire me. Because the Bible, if I and the other pastors on the preaching team are opening the scriptures and teaching them accurately and the truth of God is coming through, you will be made uncomfortable almost every Sunday by something. That's just the word of God. It's, it's his word, not ours. But the peace, that, the peace that, that James is talking about is this beautiful sense in which I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. And do I have hopes and goals and agendas? Absolutely. Are they more important than those of my neighbor or my friends in my community group? James says, no. Walk into community with a mission. I, God, I want to create righteousness and I want to create peace. Now think about this. I'll close here. Think about your relationship with your roommate. Think about your marriage. Think about your relationship with your children. Think about your community group. Think about your Bible study. Imagine what it would be like if as a church, 
we constantly sought after that heavenly wisdom from above, knowing if we seek that in all humility, God will make this community so beautiful and it can transform our entire world. We're on a mission together. I'm glad you're part of it. We're on a mission to seek the wisdom of God. Will you bow your heads with me and we'll pray about that and I'll invite the worship team to come. Lord, how we thank you for your word. Even passages like the one we've read that are strong and challenging and convicting with deep thought, we're, we're required to wrestle and think deeply in how we want to do it. Because as we started with, Lord, we believe this is your word and you've got a message for us. So thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray with my friends here this morning. I want to pray for River West Church that we would stay on mission, a mission to seek you, to seek your heart, to humbly come before you Sunday after Sunday, Bibles open, worshiping, and asking God, we need wisdom to navigate these days, how we need you, Lord. So would you guide us and bless us, I pray. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Can you pull out that communion?